For the 20 years that Yaakov Avinu worked for Lavan, he was effectively in Golos. What kept him focused? What kept him afloat? We're told 15 chapters of Tehillim, the Shir HaMailos, which means that their content and the number 15 both give us insights into how he survived and how we survived Golos. The Pasha tells us that Yaakov Avinu rested in that place. The Medrash gives us two opinions about what the Torah wants us to know about that place where Yaakov Avinu rested. But for 14 years before this, when Yaakov Avinu was in the yeshivas of Shem and Eber, he did not lie down once. And then there's the second opinion which we will focus on, which is Kan Shochav. Here, Yaakov Avinu laid down. But for 20 years working in his father in law's house, he never got to lie down and sleep properly. The Possek later will tell us, He tells Lavan, Sleep was driven from my eyes. Now let's look at that Medrash, right? And it is a Mamshra Medrash. Then the Medrash says, So what did Yaakov Avinu say while he was working for Lavan? Two opinions. Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi Omar Tezvav Shea Amalish Shepesefer Tehillim. Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi says that he said the 15 chapters of Shea Amalish in Tehillim. My Ta'amei, how do we know that? Because look at the Pesach, it says Shea Amalish L'David, Lule Hashem Shaho Yolonu Yomano Yisrael. Tehillim Kufchof Dalet tells us that Yaakov Avinu, well, the David HaMedach says, were it not for Hashem who helped us, says Yisrael. Which Yisrael? Yisrael Sava Yaakov Avinu, the original Yisrael Yaakov Avinu. Says, he actually said the entire Tilim. Matam, how do we know that? Because the Apostle says, who are holy, you sit and listen to the praises of Yisrael. Which Yisrael? Yisrael Sava. So, what's the question? What was Yaakov Avinu saying at this time? We're not asking the question, what occupied Yaakov's time while he was at Lavan? Because we know what he, his time is occupied with. Torah tells us clearly, that he invested all of his energy in looking after Yaakov Lavan's flocks. Beings by Yom Gomer by Laila to the extent that he was busy with a sheep by day and by night to the point that he drove sleep from his eyes. So, what is the question? Not the Shaila is. What was Yaakov while he was busy? What was he davening? What was he learning? Which allowed him to overcome the challenges and difficulties of being in a horrid place like Choron working for Lavan. So being in Lavan's home, Yaakov Avinu was in Golos. <coughs> he had to abandon his own father Yitzchak's house, which was a holy place, to be in Lavan's environment. And then what did he spend his time with? Sheep, and not just any sheep, the sheep that belonged to a crooked man called Lavan. In fact, to be in Lavan's environment automatically <coughs> impacted Yaakov Avinu, that he kind of was demoted spiritually. Where do we see that? That Yaakov Avinu said, he knew what kind of a character Lavan was. He said, if Lavan is going to come with me to, towards me with deceit, I will be his partner, I'll be his here, his brother in the seat. That Yaakov Ishtam, Yaakov, the sincere individual who spent his entire life studying Torah, had to lower himself, so to speak, into Lavan's world to counteract his deceit. 
So he's in a terrible state of Golos. Therefore, we have a big question. How did Yaakov push through the Golos? How did he withstand the Golos? Obviously, it would have been through his major skill, which is the skill of his voice, which neutralizes the hands of his enemies. The Medrash wants to know which particular area of focus was he using. So what was he saying? So the Medrash says the two opinions. That empowered Yaakov to get through the Golos. If that's the case, the opinion that says he read the entire Tinim is Fashtandik, the Shaykhos from De Amira to Yaakovin in the Tzai Chomet Bevesi Shalovan. We get it, we understand it. Saying the entire Tinim is going to empower him during the time that he's dealing with Lovin. And we understand why Tehillim, of all things, he is so busy that he can't really delve into the depth of Torah, certainly not like it was in Yeshiva. So in place of in-depth learning, he shared praises of the which the Medrash tells us is something that a person is rewarded for as if they had learned the intricacies of those laws of Tzara'as and those laws of how impurity is, is, is uh, spread through, through um, canopies and covers and, and, and tents, etc. So that would make sense. Tehillim makes sense. But Rabbi Shubman Levi's opinion doesn't seem to make sense. What would be special and unique about the 15 chapters of Shira Midas that that would have been the solution to Yaakov's withstanding the Golos in Lavan's house? So we'll start with a quotation from the Chido. Very interesting, the significance of the number 15. The Chida says that the 15 Shiramailis were composed by David Amelech to represent the 15 years of overlap in the lives of all three of us. And here's the simple math behind it. Avram lived to 175. Yitzchak is geboren, geboren, ben Avram is given, ben Meyashana. Yitzchak is born when Avram is a hundred. When Yaakov is geboren, geboren, ben Yitzchak is given, ben Shishim Shana. Yaakov is born when Yitzchak is sixty. Okay, so that means at that age, Avram is a hundred and sixty. So if I, Avram lives to now to the hundred and seventy-five, that means that Yaakov lives at the same time as his father and grandfather for fifteen years. So if the Chidah is telling us that the 15 Shiramailis represent Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov living in the same period, then we can explain, as Yaakov has gizokti tezvav Shiramailis shebeseferetilim, that's what Yaakov chose to say as his davening while working for Lavan. Why? Because in addition to the Tehillois, the praises given to the Ebeshto, which is so valuable, he also wants to invoke the merits of his forefathers, Yitzchak and Avram. Besides the fact that Yaakov Avinu obviously has his own talents, abilities, and strengths, 
Yitzchak, he also wants to draw on the unique strengths and talents of Avram and Yitzchak, which would help him to overcome the obstacles and challenges in Lavan's house. And you actually see Yaakov Avinu say this himself, where he says, when he addresses Lavan, he says clearly, were it not for the Ebeshter, my God, and God of my grandfather Avram, and the God that my father feared, if not for the, for the support of not just my God, but the Abishta as he is the God of Avram Yitzchak, I wouldn't have gotten through this. So the time for Vos Erhot Gidafon comes from Schus from Alle Ovis. You may wonder why is it that Yaakov Avinu needs the backing of Avram and Yitzchak to get through this? To overcome the challenges of being in Lavan's environment. We'll understand the answer to this based on a strategy that Samach Tzedek teaches to overcome the Yetzirah, which the Samach Tzedek actually derived from a war that happened in the time of the Alter Rebbe. The Seder from Mairochis HaMilchom Bichlal is... Generally speaking, the Tzemach Tzedek describes the typical strategy of wars was, as Mechalkin called it, Echol Achil Shal Elegim Mechalokim. They would split the army into three platoons. Chalik Hechad Be'emso, Shtei Yodis Mimino Mismol, one middle thrust and then two flanks. And the enemy would do the same, and the two opponents would come at each other with the same formation of soldiers. So the Tzemach Tzedek describes a war that happened at the time of the Alter Rebbe <coughs> and what created the success, the victory of the one side against the other. The one side concentrated all three of their forces and against one segment of the opposing forces. Which allowed them an, an absolute and guaranteed success. Now, the point of the Tzemach Tzedek was not so much to focus on the story, but rather the lesson. The Tzemach Tzedek says there's a lesson for this in our the battle against the Tzemach To overcome the Yetzer, we have to concentrate all three faculties of Kedusha, which is Ahava, Vihira, Verachamim, Lava Vashem, Awe of Hashem, and Compassion. Le'um asmid achas de klipa and zone that in against one element of klipa, one element of the Yetzirah. Val yezeh bevade yapilu v'yenatz choyesot, and that way we'll definitely bring the Yetzirah down and be victorious. With that in mind, we can understand what the Yaakov Avinu wanted to do in Lavan's house. On the far, davon hom diyut tezvav shera ma'iles, that's why he needed the 15 prakim of shera ma'iles, velchazayin keneget tezvav shonim, shechoyu ha'ovis b'yachat, which represent the 15 years of overlap of the three ovis, evdurchen abayshen demin al-golos, so you can concentrate all of their energies, all of their powers, all of their collective value against the, the threat of Lavan. So these three attributes of Kedusha that the Tzemach Tzedek identified are represented by the three of us. Ava, Onira, Verachamim. Avram Avinu is love, Yitzchak Avinu is pachad, is fear of Hashem, and Yaakov Avinu is Tiferes, is Rachamim. When you have all three working in collaboration, which represents pooling the resources, all three channels of Kedusha, that empowers us to overcome and to see our way clear through all of the challenges of Golos. 
And look at why it is that the number that is associated with channeling these three energies against one target of impurity is Dafka the number 15. Because Chassidus tells us, why it is significant for us to know that there are 15 Shiramalis and 15 years where all three of us lived together. What's the significance of 15? The first two letters of Hashem's name, <coughs> the Yud and the He, make up the value of 15. The distinction between the first two letters of Hashem's name, Yud and He, versus the last two letters of Hashem's name, Vav and He, is as the letter Vav, which has the numerical value of 6, that represents the 6 meters. And the final hey that represents the level of Malchus. Whereas on the Oasis Yudke, Zanim Bechinas Moichin, was the first two letters of Hashem's name represent the intellectual abilities, because Yud is the representation of Chochmah, and hey is the icon of Bina. And that teaches us the significance of all three of us living together for a period of 15 years. Because the mechanism by which we can concentrate all three channels of Ava, Yira, Rachamim, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, and zone them in all against a particular challenge of Golis, which is represented by the thought of all three of us living simultaneously, the only way that can happen is that the Midas have to be guided by and illuminated by the insight and the light of Moichin. In simple English, emotions don't tend to collaborate. You have to have the maturity and the objectivity of Seichel to be able to bring Midas into collaboration. Because intellect is devised in a way which is beyond the natural distinction between the various Midas, that's why any time that something is higher and greater than a particular system, it can override the barriers of the system and allow things to come into harmony. So because Seichel is beyond the restrictions of Midos, where Chesed is one direction and Gvur is another direction, or Ahaba is one direction and Yira is another direction, because the intellect is beyond all of those boundaries, it can bring them into harmony to work together. Thing is that that doesn't give us a full explanation yet of what Yaakov Avinu was doing. He wasn't just invoking the number 15. It's not a good enough explanation. Because he was specifically engaged in Shira Amalis, which are all collectively called songs. And song is obviously linked to joy. How could Yaakov Avinu have davened and engaged with the in a mode of joy and song while he's in a place of darkness and golos? Even of course, these are Tehillim that speak about how the Ebishter helps us through difficult times. That the Ebishter empowers us to be able to overcome the strictures of the Golos that we're in. True. But how is it possible for a person to be in a tangible, uh, noticeable, revealed Simcha? Because only if you're in a real state of joy, doesn't make sense to sing. Like the Gemara tells us, that you don't really have shira unless you have wine, because wine is mesameach. It brings out joy. Yaakov Avinu is in Choron, one of the worst places on earth. Place that focuses the Ebesh's anger. 
Um specifically Im Choron is in Lavan's house. How does he have a state of Simcha? How does he sing Shira? Is the beer in them? The explanation is because Yaakov understands the value of the experience. The only reason Yaakov went down into this messy environment of Lavan's house was to, to, to produce afterwards a tremendous rebound and a tremendous aliyah. Like the Pasuk says, that he should have incredible success and burst through all the barriers of anything that might have limited his success previously. Because Yaakov could see clearly what the purpose was of having to go into Lavan's house. He could see the value and the aliyah that would emerge afterwards. So therefore already now in the quagmire of Lavan's house, he's already singing because he sees the value and he sees the direction and he sees the benefit and he sees the growth that will come as a result. Now, to understand that better, you can always really get where something is going by where it begins. So if you want to understand where the Shiramailas are going, 15 Shiramailas, start with the first one. It will give us insight. And in the first one itself, we also know that you typically look at the, the concluding line or concluding lesson of a particular concept in Torah. And that summarizes what it's all about. So the last line of the first of the Shiramailas will give us a proper insight into why the Shiramailas were the tool that Yaakov used and how Yaakov had the clarity of purpose. Yeah, the always emphasize the value and meaning of something right at the beginning. So this rebound and this growth and and aliyah that's going to emerge from Yaakov having spent time in Lavan's house in Golos is will be highlighted in the first Kufchaf, the first of the fifteen Shiramalis. The same chesem from the Meshon Shemal is the last line of that capital. Where the signature of an entire paragraph is the last line. Is Ani Sholom? Is David Amelech saying, "I am all about peace"? And they speak the language of war. Which means Yaakov Avinu obviously wants Sholom. He wants peace, ultimate harmony between good and bad, between dark and light, between spiritual and physical. But as Rashi says, in spite of his good intentions, though others, the opponents, want to come and they want to fight. And here we're talking about a spiritual battle, which means those who are pushing back and are looking for war, they're looking to obstruct the holiness and godliness. Which represents, in the broader sense, the obstacles, challenges, and tests that we have when we're trying to serve Hashem and they Abstract us from serving Hashem. But Yaakov Abinu addresses that. And he says a shir, a song, a joyous song of Milos, representing the Aliyah that will follow against those who are looking for war. Yaakov Abinu is framing for us the tremendous value that will emerge from having this battle that he doesn't want to have. But Abir was then meaning this. We, as Jewish people, can never elect to take a challenge to our spirituality. But to the contrary, we daven every single morning, that Ebesha should not bring us to a place of being challenged. Therefore, our positioning statement is, we want peace. We want to serve the Ebesha in a way that is free of, con- of controversy and of conflict and of difficulty. We don't want to have to fight. We don't want to have to have challenges. 
but the Abishta from his perspective has designed the world in such a way that there's tremendous value when you have to fight for something and when you've had trials and tribulations to achieve something. The Abishta makes a system where Hema, they, plural, come to fight with me. Why plural? Because it's referring to the realities of this world, which is called a place of multiplicity. There's no single focus. There's no awareness of godliness. They just send those elements into our lives to obstruct us, to create resistance. And our response to that is, Sheramilas. Because not only will these challenges not prevent us from doing what Hashem wants, not only will they not weaken our resolve to do what Hashem wants, nor add the rabbi to the contrary, they will empower us. They will bring out resources within ourselves that are stronger and greater than anything we imagined we had. And therefore, the person, in our case Yaakov Avinu, but the lesson is for all of us, sees the Nisoyan, sees the challenge coming, and is already in a state of Simcha, knowing that the challenge is a catalyst for growth and for exponential growth. And that's an eternal lesson like anything else in Torah. It's the full movement, which means, as the entire story of Yaakov Avinu and his attitude to being with Lavan and his success over Lavan is a lesson for us in Golos. And it's particularly relevant in our times, on the edge, on the cusp of Geula, when things are particularly tough. When you pay attention and, and just meditate a little bit, contemplate the difficulties, the extreme difficulties that we have in this generation. Such overpowering difficulties that prompt us to echo David Amelech's words in Tilim, where will the salvation come from? A person could become completely despondent, God forbid. Take a lesson from Yaakov Avinu. The entire concept of the Jewish nation being degraded into a state of Golos. Which is really similar to Yaakov having to leave the spiritual cocoon of his father's house to go into Choron, which is the most antithetical spiritual environment. Is It is all only to facilitate a far greater growth. So we'll be able to achieve the greatness of light that emerges from darkness and the greatness of wisdom that emerges from foolishness. So therefore, borrowing words again from the Shira Malis, we should raise our eyes. We have to look differently at the world. We have to raise our perspective and focus on the purpose of Golos rather than the experience of Golos. The purpose of Golos is the incredible exponential elevation that we'll experience when Moshiach comes. When we have that focus and attitude, not only are we not overwhelmed by the challenges and experiences of Golos, we could actually face the Golos with joy, with Simcha, the joy of knowing that this is the rebound, this is a trampoline that is going to elevate us. 
Now let's be clear that that doesn't mean we should be satisfied, certainly not happy with the circumstances of Golas. And we should never entertain the possibility that God forbid this is an appropriate state for the Jewish nation. We need to know clearly, Golas is darkness, Golas is foolishness. And the Torah is very clear that a Jewish person in Golas as there is a ben golem el is a child exiled from his father the king's table. It's not where we belong. We have to have that clarity. On oib the ben filtandish and zogtandish, and if God forbid the child feels comfortable away from the father's table and says things that it's okay to be away, you can understand what kind of a darkness and lowly reality such a person is living in to think that Golas is comfortable. So where's our simcha from? Not complacency, not acceptance, but focus. Knowing that there will be an advantage to light from this darkness. And there will be an advantage to wisdom out of this foolishness. And then we'll be able to realize when we say that we raise our hands in supplication to Hashem asking, may I and from where will our answer salvation come? In that line itself we recognize the answer. In the Shaila Gufa, based on the explanation of Chassidus, as the that may ayin my azer, my support, my help will come from where? From Ayin. A level that is so profound that we can't begin to comprehend it. It's beyond comprehension, not only human comprehension, but all comprehension. It's beyond names. Ayin, it's the unknown. On the Ezer that Nimshach Eichen say the Shtalshlus Leibishter will bring such an elevated level, which is completely beyond the entire structure and system of existence, and he'll bring that energy into the structure and system of existence. On Begilay, in a way that is revealed, on his pale dart Ezim Eim Hashem Eishashomayim VaOretz, that we'll see that the Eibishter who made heaven and earth is the one who gives us what we need and helps us. Bizen Shomayim VaOretz Kipshutam, to the extent that that will translate into the actual physical manifestation. Of the Abishas health help, the Abishas Azer, the Abishas Geula, and it's a shame it should happen, take her umiyad mamish.